Thank you for worshiping with us. Uh, don't high-five your neighbor as you sit down. Thank you very much. Uh, it's just great to be gathered with you tonight. Aren't you guys grateful to be here? I'm so glad that you're here. Let's just do this, actually. Um, go ahead. And you can even, if you want to, just grab your cell phone and just, you know, take a picture, take a selfie, uh, tag me in it, tag the church in it so I can thank you for being here tonight. If you're a part of Generation Online, take a picture of your screen right now and just tag me in it so I can say what's up when service is over. I'll, I'll shout back at you. But I want to start with this. Psalm 122, verse 1 says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Anybody else agree with that? Man, like, I was glad. When they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Because, man, there's just something special about joining together with God's people and worshiping together, right? Just being united in faith. So good. And I know some of you aren't ready to venture back out yet. Maybe you're still watching from home. And I want you to know that's okay. We support you. We're in your corner. We love you. And I know some of you have to stay home because of physical conditions that make you vulnerable. And I want you to know that even though you're not in the room with us right now, you are in our hearts. Amen, church? Can we just give a, a little bit of a appreciation for our church family that's online right now? But I want you to know that wherever you're at, if you're in Mesa with me right now or if you're with me online, wherever you're at, you're not watching Generation Church. You are Generation Church. Amen? So you're not watching Generation Church from another state, but you're representing our church to your state. Do you receive that? That's so good. And our church has just been rising up. Our footprint has been expanding. Jesus is building his church, and we see that the Spirit of God is alive and moving as we've been reaching people around the country and the world who've been giving their life to Jesus from other nations. How incredible is that? You guys are reaching people all over the place. And I just want you to know this. For those of you who are a part of Generation Online, being a part of our online church family does not make you a lesser member of our church family. There are no second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. So whether you attend the Mesa or Ahwatukee or online campus, you are a first-class member of Generation Church, and you're important. On that note, as of this weekend, I just want to declare that we are officially a three-campus church. Our Mesa campus, our Ahwatukee campus, and our online campus are all happening this weekend. And I like to emphasize that because our online campus is no longer a secondary effort or an afterthought or just an add-on. It's now one of our top priorities going forward because coronavirus or no coronavirus, online ministry lets us reach people around the nation and around the world who might get connected to this ministry. So we're going to keep it going. Amen. I'm so grateful for that. And I am glad that we get to come into the house of the Lord and physically worship together. Like we posted on social media this week, we said, it's time to come home. Does anybody agree with that? There's no place like home. So it goes back to April 30th when I read the position of Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich. And he posted, made it very clear that church is an essential activity. I was like, tell me something I don't know, Marky Mark. But I appreciated 
I appreciated his support in that. But right after I read that, I began discussing with uh, my wife, with our church leaders, with our board, what it would look like to come back together and meet. Just because we had the right to meet didn't mean that we wanted to meet in a way that was reckless. We wanted to be responsible and implement safety precautions so that y'all would feel comfortable coming back to church. And I know that there are even people online watching right now, and they're just kind of waiting to see how you all do. You're going to be their guinea pigs, you know. And that's okay. That's all right. But we believe that we can be free and responsible, that we can be safe beyond even what the government requires us to do because we're good citizens and we want to we be responsible. So for those of you who need to stay home, I want you to know that I support you in that. All right? Coming to church physically does not mean that you have more faith. It doesn't mean that you have more courage. Just like staying home and watching online, that does not mean that you're more careful or considerate of others. We want to love each other and respect one another even as we exercise different choices during this season. Amen? That's very important for us. Now, some people might wonder, why are you in such a rush to come back together again? Like, what's the hurry, Pastor Ryan? And let me tell you what it's not. It's not about finances. It's not what it's about. Because actually during this last season when we've been shut down from having physical services, you've all been giving incredibly faithfully during this season. And that is so cool because that has allowed us to be a blessing to others. Rather than our church going on to life support, we've been able to be life support to single moms and families that lost their jobs. I know that some of you have lost jobs or had your hours cut back and that financial constriction that's happening in your life, maybe, I want you to know that God isn't going to waste that either. He can actually bring good out of even that. I've talked to some people during this time who lost a job and then they ended up getting a better job. Or how about this? When we're tight on finances, sometimes God uses that to help us eliminate waste from our life. Uh, you found that subscription you didn't even know you were still paying for, and you got it canceled. We all saved money on eating out in the last two months, amen? You're like, man, why is my credit card bill so low? This is great. Because you couldn't go anywhere. And as a church going into this time, man, immediately we started looking for areas where we could save finances, just like a lot of you. And we were able to save in many areas and then also invest in ministry in other areas. Like we have invested thousands of dollars in more uh, technology and video equipment that would let us minister to you while you were at home and keep ministering to those who have to stay at home. So thank you for being a part of that. Last month, our bold campaign crossed the $1 million mark given, which is so awesome. And I just want to be transparent about finances at all times and honest. I really am so grateful that this last month in April, in the middle of a shutdown, in the middle of layoffs, our church gave 15% more than last April. That's crazy. And what that really means is that, yes, there were some people who were losing their jobs or having their hours cut, but that means there were other people who were giving even more generously as God enabled them, which is what biblical Christianity really looks like. So we were able to enhance our ministry and minister to people online. We were able to serve twice as many families at our food pantry during these last two months. So if you want to thank a frontline worker, thank a Generation Church food pantry volunteer. Amen. So why are we in a hurry to gather together and worship physically again? 
It's because I believe the longer that people are apart, the easier it is for us to drift apart from God and from one another. We see in our society right now that people are lonely and feeling isolated, and that is causing destructive trends to take place. I read um, some medical studies that said being lonely is as deadly as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. One study said that people with weak social relationships are 50% more likely to die over a given period of time than those with healthy social relationships. We didn't know we were calling them life groups for that reason, but hey. During this last season, I've observed some really troubling trends that alcohol sales have spiked nationwide. Pornography use has spiked 25% higher in America. Suicide hotline calls have spiked. Domestic and child abuse has spiked. Depression is an issue. I read that law firms around the nation are ramping up for an anticipated flood of divorce filings they think will come once the stay-at-home orders are lifted. So you could say that our nation is going to hell in a Clorox sanitized handbasket. And I think we've come to the point where it's more dangerous to stay apart than it is to come together. Because we were told, you know, safer at home. And for some people that's true, but for a lot of people it's more like depressed at home, lonely at home, abused at home, isolated at home, suicidal at home. We know that we need one another. As God's children, we were designed in his image and likeness and our God is intrinsically a relational God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have existed eternally in relationship together. That's why we need and crave relationship. That's why if babies aren't touched, They'll suffer, and actually it's called a failure to thrive, lacking physical touch. We need to be around each other, and I know we can't physically touch that much right now, but we can see each other, and that's, that's helpful at least, right? That's better. I know that we need to be around each other, and for those of us who understand spiritual warfare, we know how dangerous isolation is. Because you have an enemy, the Bible talks about, and your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a lion looking for those whom he can devour, and he loves to go after isolated prey. When you're on your own, that's when you're easy pickings. And so we know that this is just the beginning of a crisis that will stem from this time of shutdown and isolation, and we're going to need Bible teaching, gospel preaching churches now more than ever, and that's why I'm so thankful for the other pastors in our community and the other churches in our community. We're praying for these churches that God would bless them and use them, but that's why it's so important for us to get our minds straight and remember that the church is not a country club. It's not an entertainment venue, and it's not even a social club, but the church of Jesus Christ is like a spiritual field hospital. We are here to step in and step up to minister to this world that needs Jesus now more than ever. Amen? So, you know, our message has never been come to church and be blessed. Our message has been Jesus has blessed you as the church so you could go into the world and be a blessing to others. So that means whether you worship at a physical campus or online, you've got to figure out wherever you're at how to be a blessing to your community. God will show you how to do that if you're willing. In Matthew 9, 37, Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. 
ask him to send more workers into his field. Okay, so just so you understand this, the harvest is a reference, metaphorically speaking, to people who are spiritually open to God. People who are open, searching for truth, looking for answers or for hope. Okay, and so what Jesus tells us is that even back in his day, there were more people looking for hope than there were people bringing hope. So he said, pray and ask God to send more workers. And that's what I'm doing. I'm praying, God, we need more workers. And God's saying, yeah, I know I want more workers, but I want to tell you tonight that you're the workers. You're the workers that Jesus wants to go into the world and bring the gospel to people who need it, right? That's what we want. We want to be people who are willing to be used. And a lot of you have already been doing that. You've been serving. I saw one person today posted on social media. Man, it's so good to be serving in church again. Others of you, maybe this is your wake-up call. I got to get off the sidelines and into the trenches, I need to serve. I need to be one of the workers who helps to bring in the harvest. Anybody tonight say, that's me. I'm going to be a worker for Jesus. Anybody here? We have a lot of work to do. So one of the things I've heard during this last season a lot, I've heard church experts and leaders say this phrase. They said, the church will never be the same. The church will never be the same. And so when I hear this, I, um, you know, I kind of have mixed emotions, and I ask, well, what do you mean by that? Because truthfully, it depends on what you mean. What some people mean when they say the church will never be the same is this. They mean, well, now that we've gone digital, people won't want to gather anymore because they've got church at their fingertips. But I would say that's not true. We've got 2,000 years of church history that would say otherwise. Let me go to Acts chapter 2, verse 46. It says this. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. I want you to notice that. They broke bread in their homes, so gluten-free diets are not of God. And <laughs> they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And I always eat with a glad heart. Let me, just, let me just say that. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Okay, so here's why I want to read this to you. Because... In this last season, I've heard this, this kind of pop up, and it happens once in a while. People say, you know, back in the early church days, we didn't have these big buildings. We just had house churches. And there are people that say, we should get back to that. We should just have house churches. Now, we have, like, life groups that meet in people's houses. But this idea that they didn't care about big buildings or take advantage of them is not correct. Biblically speaking, not so fast. Here's what we see. They continued... Every day to meet together in the temple courts. And the temple was, if not the, it was one of the biggest buildings in ancient Israel. So here's God's people, the early church of Jesus Christ, after he died and rose again and ascended into heaven and gave them the Holy Spirit. Did they stop going to the temple to worship together? No. They went every day. How many of you want to go to church every day? Anybody here? Yeah. I love that. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, I'm in. And others are like, I won't get anything done. <laughs> but they did. They gathered at this large building because there's something about gathering together. If people did not like to gather, we would have stopped selling out sports stadiums years ago. Because we've had the Internet and television for decades now. 
But for some reason, people keep buying tickets to go see uh, Justin Bieber and Beyonce. They keep going to NFL games and paying an enormous amount of money for a ticket, right? So, so what is it about that? Think about this. Like, have you been to an NFL game? Anybody? Anybody here? Okay. So you park in a parking lot that really is like hell on earth, okay? It makes our parking lot seem like vacation. And, and then you got to walk anywhere from, you know, 2 to 25 miles to get to <laughs> the stadium. And if you need something to drink, it's like $28 for a cup of water. And then when you get to your seat, even the good seats, even the good seats, you can't see that good. You can see way more on the television from your living room. So why do people keep gathering? Because there's something about being united with people in the same purpose and with the same passion. And there's no greater purpose than Jesus. Now, during this last couple of months, people have joked with me, and, and some people have said, you know, Pastor Ryan, it's been kind of nice watching church in my pajamas. <laughs> and it's been kind of nice not having to get my kids ready to leave the house. And I know that, you know, they're joking, but I also know that you're sort of not joking. <laughs> and so I'm concerned. <laughs> Because there are some people who are physically vulnerable and they're part of Generation Online and I want them to be cautious that way and be responsible that way. But then there are healthy people and I, I want you to be cautious about growing complacent. I don't want you to let this temporary season of isolation undo all the years of learned dedication. And you got to this point, it, it wasn't easy. Some of you know what God had to bring you through to, to get to this point. Like, like, any of you remember a time in your life when you were far from God? And you had your Sundays totally free, but your life was in bondage. And so now it looks a lot different, doesn't it? I mean, now you've learned new habits, and you follow Jesus, and you obey his word, and, and, and you hang out with Christians, and, and, and you see how much God has changed your life and how much more peace and hope and joy you have. So what I'm really concerned about is that the devil would come along and whisper in your ear to recategorize church from an essential activity into a hassle. Wow. It's like, man, that, that church is kind of a hassle. You don't really need to go to that. I just don't want to see people drift apart from God or their church community. Whatever going to church is going to look like for you, I need you to be cautious that it stays a high-level priority in your life. You need this time to recharge your spirit, don't you? I hear that all the time. I hear people say, like, I need to recharge my spirit. I don't know if I can face my boss on Monday unless I recharge my spirit on Sunday. Amen. So we need this, we need this. Don't take it for granted, and we'll always need this. Now, when people say the church will never be the same, it could be true if they mean we will never take this for granted again. And I heard from some of you who said, I gotta confess, I've taken church for granted. Some of our most dedicated church family members even said this, like, like I, I have taken church for granted. And I'm like, you didn't take church for granted. You're awesome. But honestly, honestly, even I took it for granted somewhat. And sometimes you don't appreciate things until they're gone. 
But we don't ever want to take this for granted. In Psalm 133, verse 1, it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. How good it is for God's people to be together, to live life together, to do life together in unity. Not division, but unified around the things that really matter. Now, you can't enjoy unity if you're not able to dwell together. And I don't mean literally live in the same house, but I mean do life together. So we need the opportunity to have community like this. So again, if you're online, you need online community. If you're attending a physical campus, you need community. You need to be a part of a a life group. Why? Why? Because it's good and pleasant. The Bible tells us that. I know for some of you it seems scary and inconvenient. But the Bible tells you it's actually good. And once you get in there, you're going to like it. Once you get past that first awkward phase where you're like getting to know new people, you're going to find that it's really pleasant and that the people in your life group, your small group, are going to be a blessing to you. When people say the church will never be the same, one of the things I heard them say this was this, that that Christians, people aren't going to want to come back together like this because they'll be too scared of the risk. Well, I just got to say, I'm looking around the room in Mesa right now, and I don't see a lot of scared people. I want you to be wise. I want you to be responsible. But remember this. Jesus did not call us to a life of safety, but rather to a radical life that doesn't take the next day even for granted. His disciples, they left their day jobs and they followed Jesus even to execution, most of them. And and for years in our church, I've talked about how as Americans, we are so relatively safe and secure by historical world standards, and that is a blessing, and we're thankful for that. Man, we thank God for that, but if we're not careful, we can be lulled into a false sense of entitlement. Like we should only ever have safety and stability and security and comfort, and that can become dangerous. There are even brands of American Christianity that will promise a life of health and wealth and prosperity. But that is just not what Jesus promised in his word. Jesus told us, in this world, you will have troubles. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That's good. It's good that Jesus kept it real with us because otherwise you'd start to go through troubles and you'd be very discouraged. But Jesus told us right up front, man, you're going to go through difficult times. You're going to go through coronavirus. But at the end of the day, I will bring you into victory. In Matthew 16, verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Now, can I just say, there's times I wish this verse wasn't in the Bible. Like if I could just, you know, Edit that out. That would be great. I wish it said, whoever wants to be my disciple must stop by the customer service desk and pick up their VIP club pass and follow me. Okay, Jesus, I'm in. But instead he said, take up your cross. Deny yourself. And the implication is that you're going to have to sacrifice your preferences. You might even have to sacrifice comfort, stability, and even, like some disciples, your life. And we know that that can be something that's difficult to to really 
comprehend, but the promise is that in Jesus, if you follow him, it's always going to end up in a place that you're really going to you're really going to like. But you can pursue comfort, you can pursue stability and security or wealth to the point that if you're not careful, it could cost you your soul. And what Jesus tells us is, what good is that going to do you? So we got to make sure that we're primarily focused on following Jesus wherever that takes us, through good times and through bad times. Amen? So people could be, you know, kind of thinking to themselves and, and asking, but, you know, could there be risk to gathering together like this physically as a church again? And I just want to say as a pastor, yes. But there has always been risk. That's why we have an armed security team at all of our campuses. And I'm glad about that. Amen. For those of you who are out of state, you got to understand, Arizonans like their guns. I know that's not all of you, but I'm glad that we have an armed security team. Honestly, you go back to December of 2019, and there was a shooting at a church in Texas, and it was one of the armed security team members that stopped the threat. So what that highlights is that there's always been risk whenever we come together as God's people. That's why we have a check-in system for our kids. That's why we take responsible steps to mitigate the risk. But we're not going to just stop meeting as God's people every time that there's a risk. Otherwise, we would never be able to meet. God wants us to be bold as his people. Now, being bold doesn't mean being foolish. I'm not saying you should go to the gas station and lick the door handle to prove how, you know, brave you are. I ain't afraid of COVID. That's stupid. Don't do that. God doesn't want you stupid. He wants you to be bold. And boldness means being courageous despite the risk, which is so appropriate because we've been since Easter in a series talking about the Holy Spirit. And we are in a world where there is risk. So what we need is a spirit-filled, supernatural boldness. That's what we need. A spirit-filled, supernatural boldness. We are living right now in a world that is obsessed with safety. That doesn't surprise me. I'll tell you what. If I didn't know Jesus, if I didn't know where I was going when I die, if I wasn't saved... I'd be really into safety too. I'd be like the hall monitor right now. But when you, know, when you know Christ, you don't have to fear death like unbelievers do. Some of you might even be here in the room tonight and not know where you're going with certainty if you were to die. And that causes apprehension. Man, if I was living one heartbeat from hell, yeah, I'd feel a lot of fear about a lot of parts of life. We're living in a world where there is risk. But the thing is, as God's people, I just want to point this out. Like, I'm a pastor. I read the Bible sometimes. And uh, some of you are like, oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. But I, I missed the Bible stories about God's people playing it safe. Or, or, you know, waiting till the coast was clear. Okay, in all honesty, there are a couple Bible stories about God's people playing it safe. But it never turns out well. 
It never turns out well for those guys. Like how about the 10 spies that came back from the promised land and they said, we can't go into the promised land. There's giants in them hills and we're little and we're all gonna die. Well, thank God that Joshua and Caleb were there and they said, no, we can do it. God is with us. We don't have to be afraid. We can take the land. Or Moses going up to Pharaoh and saying, God says, let my people go. Or Peter and John, the disciples of Jesus, who preached the gospel to the guys who arrested them for preaching the gospel. That's bold. That's spirit-filled, supernatural boldness. Speaking of Peter and John, when they were arrested for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, we read in the book of Acts in chapter 4 that it really shook the early church. It, it scared Christians. They were scared. They were like, man, you mean that we could suffer for our faith? We could be persecuted just for following Jesus Christ, just for practicing our faith? And I know a lot of Christians are struggling with fear during this season. I know a lot of my pastor friends are very concerned. It feels like every decision you make, you're stepping on a landmine. I know some of you might feel nervous just about coming to church tonight. Maybe even not so much about any kind of danger as much as you have friends that you think might judge you for coming to church tonight. You got that one judgy friend looking down her nose at you. We're going to need some people who are bold and experience spirit-filled, supernatural boldness. Because, man, it's, it's kind of scary out there sometimes. And there are scary people out there sometimes. But, man, we live in a world that was hostile towards Jesus before this even started. So now going forward, we're going to need this. We're going to need a spirit-filled, supernatural boldness. Let me talk about Acts chapter 4 and verse 29. Okay, so it says this, that the disciples who they got arrested and they were released, Peter and John, they went back and they met up with the other Christians, and they were all going through a moment where they were scared. It tells us in the book of Acts, they were scared. So if you're a Christian and you ever feel scared, you're not alone. Okay, they were scared. And so what did they do? They prayed to God. That's a really good first step if you're scared. Pray to God. Hey, all my advice is very complicated, isn't it? Like, just pray to God. Well, let's look at how they prayed. Acts 4, 29. They said this, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness. We could pray this way, like, God, you know the threats. Give us great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I love this. And I just want to point this out, right? They, they were nervous, but they asked God for boldness. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. Have you asked God to make you bold? I love this. I love how they prayed for miraculous signs and wonders, and we believe that God still does miracles. He still does miracles, but it's not so that we can just get Holy Ghost goosebumps and be like, wow, that was cool. It's so that the name of Jesus will be glorified. And miracles happen for the purpose of pointing people and leading people towards Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's what, it, that's what they started to pray. And then in verse 31, it says, After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Okay, so they were afraid, and they prayed. And what did God do? He sent them the answer, what they needed. It wasn't a self-help book. It wasn't a meditation podcast. 
he filled them with the Holy Spirit and they preached the word of God with boldness. They got the boldness that they needed. They were scared, now they're bold. So what's the difference? It's being filled. That's what it is. Okay, so I want to just make an illustration of this. All right, so I did say that Arizonans like their guns. Here we go. Okay, so the word spirit in the Greek New Testament, it's pneuma. It means air, literally. It's where we get the phrase like a pneumatic drill or power tools is powered by air. And so it's the breath of God, the wind of God, the Holy Spirit, it, it filled them up. And so I think about how this last season, a lot of us have been dealing with a lot of stressful things. And maybe you feel like God has forgotten about you or turned his back on you, but that's not true, man. Maybe you've been dealing with bills that you couldn't pay or kids that have been driving you crazy. Or maybe you've lost a job, or maybe you've just gotten fed up with the bad news on the television, and this pressure has been building inside of your heart. I know some of you have felt you've been under pressure. You've been under pressure. And sometimes we're tempted to think that the pressure we're under is a curse, or that it's come to destroy us. But God can take anything, even what the enemy means for evil, and turn it for good in our lives, if we let him. God will let that pressure build sometimes, but he's not doing it to destroy you. He's doing it to increase your power. Where's the splash zone at? Right? And so I, I think this is so important because these disciples in Acts chapter 4, all these Christians, they had already been filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. But as they did ministry, as they told people about Jesus, and as they went through a lot of difficult stuff, they dealt with fear. And as you pour your life out for Jesus, as you tell people about him, as you go through difficult seasons like this one, you're gonna need to be refilled. Otherwise, you're gonna have a void in your life. There's gonna be a void in your life. You're gonna be spiritually deplenished. And when you are, you need something to come and fill you up. Otherwise, the enemy will come along and he'll fill you up. I said deplenished. I don't think that's a word. Depleted. That's what I meant to say. Okay. If you have a void in your life, you, the enemy will come along and try to fill that void. And it'll be like, oh, you know, I know you're really stressed out right now. You should watch this. You'll feel better. You should do this. You'll feel relieved. You should drink this. You'll feel better. Right? The enemy will come along and try to give you liquid courage. You don't need liquid courage. You need Holy Spirit boldness. That's what you need. You need them to fill you up. And so don't resent the pressure as it builds up in your life. Because seasons like this just go to highlight how God will take that pressure and he'll let that become power in your life. Amen. 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 Thanks for letting me spray you tonight. I'm going to exercise some self-control because that's also the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to stop spraying this thing right now. But some of you remember at one point in your life, you were, you would say, filled with the Holy Spirit. But maybe you need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. I know I need to. I need that. I know, man, I know when I do ministry or when I go through stuff, I need the Holy Spirit to come in and refill me again. The more that we do for him, the more we're going to need a refilling in our life. You don't fill up your gas tank just one time. But the more you drive, the more you got to fill her up. I know a lot of you have been going through a difficult season, but I'm praying that 
like the prophet Elisha prayed, I'm praying that you'll see that there are more for you than against you. I'm praying that you'll believe what I'm talking about, that greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world, right? We, we all have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us as believers, but sometimes you need an extra special filling of the Holy Spirit, especially when the task before you is great. And I think we're going into that season because now I think we have an even greater harvest before us. And there's more uncertainty right now than there was a few months ago in our life. So, man, I don't know about you, but I need the Holy Spirit to fill me up. And I want to say to you tonight that you need to know this. Wherever you're at, Generation Online, at a physical campus, you're part of a church family that has your back. We love you. We're here for you. You're not alone. Amen, church? You are a child of God. You're a co-heir with Christ, and the same power that raised Christ from the grave lives inside of you. So don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Take heart. Jesus has overcome. And if you're following Jesus, that makes you an overcomer. Amen. Do you receive that tonight? Let's stand to our feet at this time. And I'm just going to do this first. Maybe you're here tonight, or maybe you're with us online, and you have not yet accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So I just want to give you that opportunity right now. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. And if you say, I want to know for sure that I'm saved. I want to know where I'm going if I were to die. I want to not have to fear death any longer. I want to be a child of God. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to be a part of God's family. I want to have a relationship with God. I want the Holy Spirit to come into my life. If that's you, I'm just going to lead you in a prayer right now. And if you mean this prayer, just pray it with me, and God will hear that. Just pray with me and say, God, I need you. I know that I've sinned. I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. I believe that he rose again so I could have eternal life and be victorious. I want to follow Jesus from this day forward. I want to do what he says to do. I want to honor Jesus with the rest of my days. Thank you for loving me, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, that's so good. And I want to do this. At our church, we love to celebrate. And the Bible says when even one person accepts Jesus, all of heaven celebrates. So we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to do anything weird to you. I'm not going to squirt you with a, a squirt gun. But if you just accepted Jesus and prayed that prayer with me right now, on the count of three, I'm going to invite you just to shoot your hand up today, like a lot of people already have, okay? So just get ready to do it, and then we're going to celebrate. One, God loves you. Two, welcome to his family. Three, just shoot your hand up if that's you. That's you. You're like, man, I just prayed that prayer. That's anybody here. Awesome. Hey, and then I want to do this. For all of us who are believers, how many of you would say, I need more of the Holy Spirit in my life? Okay, I know I do. So I just want to pray for you, and I want you to pray with me. And let's just do this. Let's ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Why not, right? Okay, so if you're ready for that, you can do this if you're comfortable even. You can just raise your hands like this as a physical sign representing what's in your heart, that you're open and ready to receive from God. Just say, God, I need your spirit to come into my life and fill me up. Give me power and give me boldness so that I can live for Jesus. Amen.